My name's Indira Stewart and I've been spending the lockdown working from home and this week I'm back on my normal program, back to my normal job first up. So yeah, it's interesting going back into work. I'm William Ray, I've been spending the lockdown playing a whole bunch of video games with my fiance and my friends um, every morning before I start work, which has been a nice change of pace. I'm Katie Gossett and for the last, well, nearly two months I've been working out of a little yellow retro caravan. Um, which we call Lucinda. Uh, it's got some nice yellow and lime interiors and what is kind of almost maybe a shag pile carpet. Hi, I'm Sonia Sly and I've just been loving feeling like life is getting back to being almost normal. <laughs> and I'm Jessie Chang and I have actually really enjoyed working from home. So it's been really nice to break up my day just by going for random walks and then, yeah, choosing when I want to work. I guess as we're heading into this podcast, I can't uh, believe how long it's been since we first started. And how many uh, episodes did you say, William, that we had gone through? I literally just counted it up. And this is episode number 46, which included one bonus interview episode. And it's sort of, it's like both more and less than I thought it would be because it 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 feels not that long ago, but it also feels like it's been absolutely forever since, you know, this all got really serious since this um, podcast started, basically. Oh, totally. I think, like, you know, our world has changed so much and pre-COVID or pre-pandemic was just a whole, it feels like it was a dream now, the things that we could do. You know, I, I just, I'd just gone back from Australia, spent a month there, and just to think that I won't be able to do that for a long time is all, all that stuff about the world we lived in is so different, a lot of things. But, you know, as we were heading into doing this podcast, how did it all come about, William? It's it sort of, we just basically made it up as it, as we went along. Because um, I think the idea was to, to just provide something that people could listen to if they didn't want to listen to covid19 stuff all day because there's just so much there's so much it's it's constant particularly in those early days where things were just getting really mental um so the the whole dream was to do it so that it would be um in 20 minutes or less and if you listen to just this you were going to be okay that, that you weren't going to miss out on any vital information that you absolutely needed to know and i think that's i think we've mostly been pretty successful with that and then every episode we kind of had another extra little tidbit I guess another extra little angle or story because it was sort of that balance between like we wanted to give you the news but we wanted to also make you feel like you were connected with the rest of the world and that you were sort of part of all of this um, and I think those like packages, those amazing packages that um, mostly not me, the rest of you producers <laughs> did, um, were just so amazing in doing that. I was really, oh, I thought some of those packages were so good. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and obviously it was, you know, the beginning of this whole lockdown, it was like a moving feast and the news changed every day because it was something different that was going on every day. There were news restrictions coming out and, and different things that were changing. And even our team changed. We, it was just when we first started out um, at William, I was like, oh, so it's just us. It's just me, you and Sonia, I think. And then we, but we've expanded. We've got this whole RNZ Pro Coronavirus podcast follow now, which is awesome. I don't think we even had Sonia for like the first two days. No. It was literally just the two of us. And I remember going like, 
oh no, <laughs> this is going to be problematic. It was pretty weird coming into the situation because I guess I sort of, I don't know how long you guys had already started it, um, but I was just like, well, what, what do you want me to do? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, and and how, how is it all working? So I guess it was actually like finding out how it was going to roll out as we were doing it and the kinds of stories that we wanted to tell. But it, that whole moving feast thing, I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges because, I mean, I, I don't even feel like things change from day to day, but like from moment to moment. Oh, yeah. So, you know. I literally looked and it's like, first episode, welcome to the coronavirus. Second episode, we've level two. That's when we went into level two. Third episode was the announcement that we were going into the level four lockdown. And by the by the fifth episode, we were in the level four lockdown. Like it was just, there was just so little time between. And I think that that was everyone's experience. Eh? It was like, we went from being pretty normal to being full lockdown so quickly. Yeah, it was pretty fast. By the time I came along um, a few weeks ago, you kind of had it down to an art, really. And I think it's been it's been an interesting, um, well, just a good a good capsule of information in the sense that you've got that daily news, but then we've been able to kind of deepen it and go a bit more in depth, a bit like what the detail does. We've been able to go more in depth into the stories that were already in the news, but giving people a bit more of an insight into them. Yeah, and that's where you came in, eh, Jesse? Because um, your the detail had to um, go on pause because of some sort of technical problems. And Tim was like, hey, do you want um, Jesse from the detail to come work for you? And I was like, yes, please, more people, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it was actually quite a nice transition. You know, it, it's nice to know that, you know, wherever you go, and RNZ that, you know, your colleagues are still great and, um, yeah, whoever you work with, that the the level of camaraderie and everything is, is still there. Oh, I totally agree with that, Jesse, and especially being able to work so closely with people that our colleagues that are actually based in Wellington, like you guys, William. And Katie, you're not in Wellington. Where are you? I'm, eh? I'm in Christchurch. I oh, See, I don't even know where everybody is exactly. It's <laughs> the beauty of doing this podcast remotely. So, yeah, Wellington, Christchurch, and Sonia, you're in Wellington, aren't you? Yes. Just being able to work with all you guys, which we wouldn't normally do on a day-to-day basis, has been awesome. I've, I've really enjoyed that too. For, for you guys, I'd love to hear about uh, what you guys thought was the most challenging part of this experience for you. Should I go first? Um, I, like, the biggest challenge for me, I think, was, like, in those, f- particularly in that first week or two, it was like, this is by far the biggest news story that I've ever gone anywhere near. And the information that we were writing into these scripts was like literally life or death information. And we were doing it without the sort of traditional um, newsroom structures around us. So I just, it was so, it was so anxiety inducing going like, have I got this right? Have I phrased this right? And actually, just a shout out to um, Dr. Patricia Priest, who, you know, you'll have heard a lot on this podcast. I was actually quite often sending our scripts by her to sort of say, hey, I've put this information in here about sort of what the government's position is on masks, like, or this is about like how, you know, what you should do in terms of um, washing your hands. Is this right? And she'd say, oh, I think you should tweak this a little bit. And that was just such a huge help. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. I guess I'll go next. Uh, challenges, 
uh, for me, I suppose it's, well, I've got four kids. So it was definitely uh, the juggle of working from home, juggling that. My husband was home during the lockdown. Um, but then I think it was the school when they went, started doing the online distance learning and I found myself, and I was loving it too though, but it was a juggle, found myself teaching, you know, year, for what we would say form one and two maths and all the things that I forgot about, calculating, um, you know, what's the perimeter of this shape and this, and re remembering the triangle formulas, how to calculate the area of a triangle. And it was all coming back to me and I was loving it, but at the same time, it was like, oh, I've really got to write a script for this and I've got to record that voice. But yeah, it was great to actually, oh, my kids felt like I was really, really smart, but actually it was just form one and two maths that I could remember, that was awesome. I do not remember how to calculate the area of a triangle, so. <laughs> Well done, Andira. <laughs> I found the same thing because I was also homeschooling um, children, but I don't think I was anywhere near as efficient as you by the sounds of it, Andira, in that, um, yeah, I, I had a bit of resistance in terms of getting some um, information across, and I realised that, it, you know, shout out to the teachers, it really is not my forte. Definitely shout out to the teachers. What about you, Sonia? It was just a massive wake-up, I guess, the, like having to work through lockdown and... I mean, I think it's ultimately changed all of our lives and the way that we see things now. I mean, life will, I don't know if it'll ever, will it be the same as it has been pre-COVID? I mean, what do you guys think? I think, like, it won't be. And I think there are some things that we've done during lockdown that I think we should continue. You know, having days where we work from home instead of going to the office is a really good idea particularly in Auckland. I don't know about Wellington traffic, but Auckland traffic is terrible. Um, and, yeah, and I think just everyone felt a lot more kinder during lockdowns, you know. So, so many people were reaching out um, just saying, hey, how are you doing? I think mental health has also, and awareness of mental health has also um, been brought to the forefront during this and I, so I think those are the kind of things that I really like to see stay post-COVID-19. As one of the stories that I worked on talking to organisations about how they'd changed and you know so a lot of the efficiencies that they'd made, things where they had um, you know they managed to to reset some of their policies and get everyone working through something at the same time because then obviously everyone was at home and when they came back out um, into level two then everybody was sort of at the same place in terms of some of their internal company policies um, so and the the kind of refrain I heard again and again from people was oh you know we couldn't believe we could do it that fast but kind of when you have to do it you do it and so I think just in terms of creative thinking that comes out of this whole experience if you can apply that lateral thinking the way of approaching that like you know if you have to do it if you can apply that to normal normal life situations okay you don't have to do it but actually you can do it and kind of um yeah, take that take that flexibility into just other everyday thinking. I think it would be great. Um, yeah, certainly. I think they said, and I heard this. Um, I mean, we did an interview on it, which I don't know if we <laughs> aired in the end, but on uh, working from home, and apparently the productivity levels were like really, really high during the lockdown period, which was interesting. Yeah, I think too. I mean, obviously, I felt incredibly fortunate to still or to be working for an organisation where uh, we all pretty much kept our jobs. So that's something that I yeah. really appreciated through this time. But to be also working on a podcast series like this, to feel vital and, yeah, to feel essential, um, even though it was incredibly stressful at times. Yeah, absolutely. 
that feeling that you that you are you know we're not we're not frontline health workers or um you know even supermarket workers but we're we're still we the that feeling that we were still doing something to help out the country in a in a really hard time was just awesome awesome feeling yeah and talking about that william how how did we choose what we were going to cover because we did mention it was a real moving feast so things changed all the time i i mean i i can i can barely remember sometimes how we chose things because every day was different every day moved fast yeah well we had the benefit of those daily um press briefings which obviously still happening um which were which were great for setting the agenda and i think one thing we really focused on was trying to make sure that we only included news content which was a important to people and b they could actually do something about it because i think particularly in those early days there was just such a flood of information and like for example we steered away from having too much in there about like international death tolls or infection rates or even too much about like um the numbers of people who were breaking the rules because it was sort of like people that's obviously important information but f- for this podcast i didn't want people to feel a sense of powerlessness when they were listening to our news bulletins or a sense of frustration and so whenever we did include that kind of information like for example you know people breaking the lockdown i always tried to make a point of including in the script um something along the lines of like look this is really frustrating when we're all trying to do our bit and it feels like some people aren't um but you need to focus on what you can control and what you can do so here are the things you can do i think that was that was probably a big part of our decision making. Yeah, on that note, actually, William, I just wanted to say because you wrote, you basically wrote all the scripts for the podcast, and that is definitely one thing that I appreciated, especially in the early weeks of the lockdown, when even, you know, even as someone that is putting out information, you have to kind of manage your own fear and anxiety, and so it was a really kind of freaky time in the first two weeks because the numbers were just rising exponentially. And uh, just before the lockdown, I think it was the 19th of March, we had 66 cases. And then by the 23rd of March, it was like 128 or something. So all of that was going through and you were writing these scripts and you always had this tone that was kind of reassuring, which I always was impressed with. But it was just like a, just encouraging, yeah, we just gave you these figures, but, you know, stay safe. We're all going to do our part. And, and uh, yeah, I really loved, I I loved that about the podcast, actually, William. It was actually kind of almost, um, self-therapeutic I've got to say it was like um telling everyone else to to sort of like stay calm and in control help helped keep me calm and in control I think <laughs> I should say um, um I, I did share the writing of the scripts um with um Jesse um as soon as she came onto the team so cr- um, full credit to her as well and it was I think you guys wrote great scripts to be honest but but you know looking over it's like eight to nine weeks now that we've been going through this and we're ending the podcast is there a moment that really stood out to you guys over the last few weeks there was one night it was actually april it was april 16th um because every night as part of writing the podcast i would check the um john hopkins university um numbers on infections and deaths and i think it was it was that night i looked it up and it said that thirty-one thousand people had died in the united states and obviously that number is much much higher now but I I couldn't grasp it because it was such a big number, and so I I did some maths in my head and and 
worked out that that was the equivalent of a fully loaded Boeing 747 crashing every single day for two and a half months. And that was a moment where I was suddenly like, wow, the scale of this is just, it's that whole, you know, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic kind of thing. And I think that was the moment for me when suddenly I was like, wow, I I really get what that means now. Gosh, we've been doing this a while. It kind of really puts it into uh, perspective because before we started the podcast, I remember that the the death toll numbers around the world, well, sorry, the number of confirmed cases was 300,000 and the death toll was like around in the thousands below 5,000 and then by the time by Monday this week the death toll around the world was 300,000 so it's just terrifying to um, just to think of the numbers and we're so far away in New Zealand we're kind of watching it all unfold unfold like in a crazy way around the world and you feel really thankful to be here to be honest. I have found it interesting though all the same to be going through something that other countries are going through as well. When I think back about, um, you know, things that have affected New Zealand and particularly, you know, terrible things, obviously here in Christchurch, um, the mosque shootings and and the whole earthquake thing, um, you know, each country traditionally will have some, you know, it might have a tragedy, it might be a natural disaster, things affect individual countries. It's been strange for me to be contacting family and people I know on the other side of the world and find that we're all, at the same time, having a collective experience. We're all locked up and, um, you know, sharing stories of being confined and how we're juggling work and children. And and it is unusual to have an actual global major issue that's affecting everybody at once. Well, I guess that's the thing too, is that, you know, unprecedented probably levels of anxiety that people are, are going to be carrying around with them as yeah. well and stress levels for probably quite some time and that's and and you know as you guys were mentioning before the whole thing of you know there has been more compassion for people who have suffered from um you know depression mental illness or whatever the case may be before this because i think because it's affected so many people that there will be a rise or has been a rise in those things now i got incredibly stressed going to the supermarkets that was the one time when when I really felt it was like being in the supermarkets. Um, people were people were like not quite following the rules properly, and I was just sort of like, "Have you not been listening to the RNZ Coronavirus podcast where it explains why it's so important <laughs> for you to not fiddle with your mask when you're?" <laughs> well, that was your cue, William, to pull out your phone and just say, "Hey, hey, just listen to the first five minutes of this, and uh, you'll be sorted." <laughs> You know, William, you said we had 45 episodes, so this is the 46th episode, and everybody here has done so much work and covered all these different stories and all the interviews that we've done. Do you guys have a, um, I don't know, favourite clip or favourite story that stood out to you guys? Um, Well, I have a couple of favourites. But the one that moved me the most was talking to a woman who is a foster carer and I just found myself incredibly moved by how brave and inspiring this woman was basically because you know you're taking in children and this was a story that played recently who have incredibly you know challenging backgrounds and this woman had five foster care children. Uh, We've got this thing that no one sits down until we all sit down so after supper everyone clears up and we have 
uh, a song playing and the graces to finish all the clearing up be uh, before the song finishes. Now, of course, lockdown has been a destabilising time for all of us, let alone for children who come from backgrounds of trauma. Sarah says that over this time of uncertainty, some of those underlying fears have come to the surface. Yes, absolutely. And talking about their past memories of those um, times which led to them being needed to be uh, removed from those places for their own safety. We have a rule in the house about shouting, and that's a big thing when the children have talked with their social workers about what's good about this house is that we don't shout and we don't have aggression. So um, it's, uh, we have uh, three house rules and they are smile and be grateful, be kind. And we, bad tone of voice, you know, speaking badly and how that uh, makes someone feel and that fear is something we talk about as a family. We wrote down on a big piece of paper and all the children were included right down to the four-year-old of what does a good family look like that we don't shout and we don't argue and we all feel safe. And that's, I think, the absolute basic is what these lovely, lovely children who are in care for most of the time, really good reasons that they're in care. They just want to be safe. The story that affected me the most was working on, on one to do with family violence and um, family and sexual violence. And um, yeah, there are some pretty horrible statistics in New Zealand um, about family violence. So, you know, obviously last week in the budget, um, those services got um, a bit of a shot in the arm, which was great, an extra $200 million. Um, and the government said their work had been essential throughout the lockdown. And in the lead up to that, I was talking to all these services um, about their work, and it was really interesting. Um, they had been, several of them had been, you know, up to 35% busier than usual during the lockdown. Um, and just like Sonia, I found that those people were, were, were so passionate about their work and um, putting in the hard yards in these really stressful situations. And again, I had one woman who um, who had been um, a survivor, well, as a survivor of, of family harm herself and had got out of a really dangerous situation. Um, she retrained and she now works for an organisation that you know, helps to break the cycle, I guess, helps to encourage other women out of situations like that. And particularly she works with, with men who um, who use violence against others. It's actually been an, a bit of an honour for me to hear their side and still be able to challenge them around that sort of thinking. You know, oh, well, if she hadn't have done this, well, hang on. But this isn't about her, this is about you and what you did. Oh yeah, but she should have, well no, you had the choice and actually your choice is what landed you here. And I think when they hear it from a Wayne perspective, it sort of gives them pause to think about what they've actually done and the impact that it's had. So again, a pretty inspirational figure. Now, those organisations are now braced for more violence because of all the things that roll out of COVID, you know, like people losing jobs and and the, the stress and the anxiety levels going higher. So a little bit of extra um, stress can, can make the family violence worse. So I guess the thing that I wanted to say was you know, we've all been a little bit jumpy around the, the COVID situation. We're all kind of, you know, tiptoeing around supermarkets and worrying about what we're touching. And um, and that's probably given us, you know, all a kind of bit of a heightened stress response to things. But, um, you know, what I think is that there are people out there dealing with family violence 
who are in that state all the time, you know, who are walking on eggshells every day because of someone else's mood. So I guess I just like to feel that when COVID settles down and, you know, a lot of people resume so-called normality, um, that we don't forget that. And and to anybody out there who is facing family violence, I'd say, you know, there's a there's a lot of really good help out there. Yeah, I totally, I think, I mean, you know, as much as we look back over the lockdown and there were lots of luxuries about it for different people, but certainly it was easy to forget that for a lot of New Zealanders, it was a really, um, it heightened, I guess, the environment, the unsafe environment or the anxiety or the fears that they had even more than ever. And one of the things that I was covering, a story I did for Checkpoint on funerals was really eye-opening for me in terms of the immense pain and grief that people were going because of the lockdown and in lockdown while others were, you know, and nobody's fault, but others were enjoying walks and were enjoying, enjoying working from home. And, yeah, I I uh, remember um, here talking to those two funeral directors and they had just dealt with, the, with deaths literally the second day after we all went into lockdown. It was very heartbreaking for me knowing that, you know, these um the kids and their the wives can't they can't be there to dress um, their father or the husband, and that's the last thing that they get to do for him. Um, especially during this during this time, it's it's hard enough that we are on lockdown, but having a loved one to pass away this time. I spoke to them throughout the whole process, telling them what I was doing with their mum step by step. And then at the very end, when covering the deceased, I found that very difficult because you had people online who were saying goodbye. I went to put that the cover, stretcher cover over um, this person and People were just yelling out, bye mum, bye nana. <laughs> it was just, oh, I'll tell you, I just think, man, it's not right, but we've got to do it. You know, we've got to, we've got to do this stuff. What about you, JC? Was there something that you covered that really stood out for you? Mine, there was one interview I did with a Kiwi business owner. Um, the business was called Merino Kids. So I spoke to a woman called Paula Petrie and... Um, it was really interesting for me just seeing how COVID-19 has affected people in different ways um, because she was um, struggling to get stock from overseas into New Zealand so she could actually sell stuff. But it was just really interesting hearing her whole experience and how her determination just to look for um any kind of possibility to get that stock back um and, and it just reminded me that wow yeah like everyone is going through this differently everyone is coming up with different challenges um but that kind of i guess determination from her really stuck out to me you know i, I had to get it here to ensure our, our business could could continue operating. I had to get stock here. There was just no doubt. Honestly, I'd, I'd thought of all sorts, hiring a, a boat and <laughs> taking myself over there to get it. Look, there's going to be there's going to be businesses that 
just get so badly stuck they can't get anything and I really really feel for them but any 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 opening just follow it up and push and push and push. I guess it comes back to what we said before that thing of when you have to do something you know when so much is riding on it you you find a way and again it's that idea of um yeah kind of innovation or, or different thinking or, or just sheer determine determination that comes from a particular situation. Yeah definitely. So I've saved the best for last with my own um, story. Um, all of yours were great, of course, but this one's better. Um... <laughs> all right, William. Don't oversell it, William. <laughs> no, so I, um, I, in a previous life, um, I was the R&Z science reporter, um, and I've been super impressed with how um, epidemiologists have, have come out of the woodwork to give really good quality, understandable information for people. Dr. Patricia Priest, who we've spoken to on the show multiple times, who, um, you know, when we first approached her, said that media really wasn't her thing, and she was she was only doing it because it was literally like a disaster scenario, and felt like she had to. Um, and I just I, I just been really inspired by those people. Um, and I've had quite a few sort of off the record conversations with her, and in one of them, I, I still had the recorder running from. Um, an interview that I'd just done with her. Um, and she said I could use this clip, so this isn't me um, <laughs> this isn't me running something that um that she didn't want recorded. But it was just such a great, funny story. Um and I asked her if I could share it and she said yes. So so I'll play it for you now. Um basically the the background to it is is of course she works at Otago University and she um gives lectures um to all the students about um epidemiology and, and sort of pandemic preparedness and all that kind of thing. And because she's been so wrapped up in work for the government, she hasn't been able. She wasn't able to do her her lecture um, live this year. Um, so I'll let her take up the story from here. It was due to be a couple of weeks ago, and um, the person who's managing that part of the program said, "Oh, look, we've got a recording of your lecture from a couple of years ago. So should we just put that up? Otherwise, I would have to record a new one because we're doing it all online." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, go for it." And so. <laughs> And the, the, the following week, he, he sent me an email saying, oh, just had a question from the students. They said, um, I wonder if you could get her to update this lecture, because in it, she says, you know, some people say, if we have a pandemic, we'll just shut the borders and shut down and you know, keep the world out and we'll be fine. And that's clearly completely ridiculous. We would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, but we did. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I... I, most people in public health that I had heard talking about it had, had been of the view that, we, that shutting down the borders was just something that the country wouldn't tolerate and we would never do that. And here we are. Wow, I, I just cracked up hearing that. I can't believe that was her two years ago, but I'm sure as well um, none, of us were, none of us were thinking that what we're experiencing now, what we have experienced in the last eight weeks would ever happen. It's been like a movie. It makes you wonder what else we're thinking. We, you know, we just, you know, the public would never accept it. We could never, it could never happen that actually, if we were actually put to the test, we would all just go like, well, we've got to do it. So we've got to do it. Yeah, I guess moving forward, the future is really different to, um, you know, nothing that we expected. I mean, I don't know if you guys are going to a bar tonight to celebrate or not, but even the social, new social distancing rules in a bar will be quite interesting to see. I don't know if people will be dancing in clubs for a while, but... 
um, all of it we're all adjusting and just wanted to say that it's been really awesome working with you guys and walking this journey with you and to our listeners as well everyone that's um, been on this journey with us um, we've all learnt something new every day including epidemiologists which has yeah just been an amazing experience yeah well hopefully the podcast doesn't have to restart anytime soon <laughs> In the meantime, though, Jessie's doing a podcast. If you are wanting to listen to podcasts, make sure you check out the detail, which is um, the job that I am normally at. <laughs> We've just started back up um, uh, this week and on Monday. So we had our first episode on Monday and um, you can get that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so RNZ, Spotify, Apple, um, and we will be breaking down different things in the news and explaining things for you guys as well well it's going to be weird not waking up early in the morning to record this podcast anymore but yeah i hope you guys stay safe and it's been great working with you and and um chatting with you over the podcast yeah see you later indira see you guys bye team bye bye that was engineered by adrian holly and our executive producer is tim watkin 